Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. Welcome to Women of Wild podcast. Today, we are going to talk about homeschooling and a little bit about our experiences with it. I don't know if you've ever said this, but I definitely said when my kids were younger, I will never homeschool my kids. I think those moms are kind of crazy. I was looking forward to having a little break during the day, getting some things done, maybe playing tennis or working a little bit, but not um, having my kids with me 24-7 when they were younger. But I've learned the phrase, never say never, because I have done a lot of things I said I would never do and been called into that. And I will just say my girls started out in a private school and we really intended on them staying there through eighth grade because that's how high it went. And when my oldest was about the end of her third grade year, she was real involved in gymnastics and she was good at it. And one of the moms there was part of a homeschooling group from the team and said, you know, have you ever considered homeschooling? And I was like, no, and I don't think I ever will. But she planted this seed in my mind and I started, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, I talked to my husband a couple days later and I was like, I'm kind of thinking about this. I don't know if I want to do that or not, but it just, it wouldn't go away. And he, he was on board. I think he was mostly on board because he didn't want to spend the money for the private school and go to all the meetings that were required, but he was on board. And I started researching, and this is one of the things I wanted to share, is the last thing, if you're thinking about homeschooling, is to go on the internet and research homeschooling because it's completely overwhelming. I think I stayed up all night one time just looking at site after site and curriculum after curriculum and it was completely overwhelming and driving me crazy and I ended up calling a friend of mine who I knew homeschooled her kids and she just met with me for coffee and that was such a better way to help me focus what I needed what my kids needed what type of program would work for us she was so helpful and I would just encourage you if you're looking into it talk to someone reach out to us on our Facebook group, talk to some other moms that you know or dads, but that's one of those places. The internet is great for researching a lot of things, but that was so overwhelming to me. It just made me crazy. And then we went very, from the day she mentioned that homeschooling idea to me at gymnastics, it was three weeks later that I had pulled my daughter. I didn't pull her out of school. We finished her third grade year, but I got a refund for my deposit for the following year. And we just really made that decision fast. 
and I believe it was a calling because when God has done this a few times in my life where I don't think I'm ever going to head down a certain direction and all of a sudden I have a desire to do that and it's I believe that he put that desire in my heart because that is the only way I ever would have made that choice I didn't want to do it but I know now that's becoming a more and more popular choice among people and so we wanted to do this episode because we believe homeschooling is growing in popularity and just with COVID and all the stuff going on in the schools, I know a lot more families are considering it a good option. And it really is a great option. It was, we didn't do it all the way through. I homeschooled my oldest for six years and my youngest for three and a half years. And that was a special time in our lives. And I'm grateful for it. We all learned a lot. I learned a lot. So Debbie, I'd like to hear a little bit about the beginning of your experience in homeschooling. Yeah, I don't think it was ever on my radar either. Um, I think when I had just my first two, Grant and Garrett, and they were young, but I was thinking uh, enough to know that um, preschool was not too far ahead, that I was going to have to make a choice. I started thinking of all, and of course with your first and the first decision you have to make for education, it has to be the best and it has to be perfect and it has to be all the top notch best available. So I researched all the homeschool, I mean, all the private schools in the area, all the Christian schools in the area. I went and toured the public schools. I mean, and I approached finding my pediatrician the same way. I went and interviewed nine pediatricians before I chose one (laughs) before I had my child. (laughs) That's a little over the top and I don't recommend anybody get that obsessive about it. But um, so it wasn't on my radar though. Like I had not been homeschooled. I didn't know anybody that had been homeschooled. My husband at the time had not been homeschooled, didn't know anybody that had been homeschooled. So when it came time to make the decision about preschool and kindergarten, I already had this Uh, organic thing going on at home, you know, as they were babies, uh, teaching them their colors and, and the things that you do when you repeat yourself over and over to get them to learn how to talk or all those fun things became something that was really natural in our environment. Um, Teaching them sign language became just a natural thing. Reading aloud became a natural thing. It was just part of our family culture. And I didn't realize it at the time, Um, But there was that same calling on me, but I didn't hear that voice until the moment of trying to make a decision where my son was going to go. And the minute I realized that meant go out of my house and be at another place with somebody else teaching him. And all this time I had so enjoyed all of those little moments of reading and coloring and painting with their fingers. I mean, I just loved that stuff so much that I just immediately was like, I cannot give this away. This is mine and I want it and I don't want to give it away. So it was really more about me in that young, that first stage. Um, And thinking about homeschooling at that time, I didn't really call it homeschool because it was pre-K and kindergarten, but it, it was, you know, you're starting to dig into ideas of reading things that are not just fables you were I was reading things about the different states and they can comprehend that stuff they're so smart I was like floored 
at the things that they were taking in, which was just feeding the whole cycle of loving the learning cycle, loving the teaching cycle. Um, but then I got pregnant. So I got pregnant with my third. And I, although I wasn't terribly sick, I was so fatigued and I could not keep up. And I didn't feel like I was serving my children well. So I ended up putting at that time, Grant was going into the latter half of kindergarten and Levi went into, I'm sorry, Garrett a year later went into pre-K. And so it would be a couple more years before I would come home. And in that interim is when you and I met. So uh, I had two kids that went off to school and then an infant. My mom stepped in to start taking, um, giving me time so that I could go pursue income. And that's when I started cleaning houses and my name actually got passed around a homeschool community. And that's where you picked up my name and hired me to help you in your home. Yes, because the transition for me to homeschooling was difficult. So that's another encouragement is it's not easy. I think I thought it might be when I first started, but it was hard. As a new homeschooling mom, there's a lot of pressure we put on ourselves sometimes to do everything just right. And we want to keep our kids on par with the other schools. And the, there's a lot of pressure. I don't know how to say it differently, but I put a lot of that on myself. And well, what did you do before you had kids? What, what did you do for a living? I was still in college. So I was pregnant with Anna when I finally graduated from college. So okay. I really didn't have a career or anything before that. I um, I went to college for a long time because I kept changing my mind and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it wasn't so expensive back then that you had to finish right away. I love to learn. And even we've talked about that with coaching. I could take training after training and learn new ways and methods and spend all of my time doing that because I find it so fascinating but that's not really a good use of my time. <laughs> so, certainly doesn't draw an income, does it? <laughs> no. I mean, it's a good, it's not a terrible use of time, but if that's all you're doing, it's probably not the best. I need to minimize that and actually do the things that are helpful for myself, my family, my clients, and that sort of thing. Right. But, um, and so I really didn't, for me, it was a big change because all of a sudden I was, responsible for their education like you were saying that's a big deal and I didn't want to mess them up I didn't want them to get behind I wanted to do it right and there's a lot of pressure but I would spend so much time trying to figure out the curriculum or what we were going to do that day and it was a hard transition for Anna because she was pretty good about getting stuff done but if it was hard we had to learn that relationship as instead of just mother-daughter, teacher-daughter a little bit and and figure out how that flowed well for us and how she worked well and how I could teach her well. And it took a little adjustment time for that to get in place. And I felt like I was all day long with her trying to get things done and do it right and plan for the next day that I wasn't cooking or cleaning or doing a lot of the other things around the house. So that was when my husband was like, I think we need some help. 
and since we're saving money on the private school, why don't we hire someone to help clean the house? And I was like, that would be awesome because I can't do it right now. Well, you can only be in one place at one time. You can only, you know, and, and it does seem like, well, you're in the house, so you should be able to manage the house as well as, but that's not, <laughs> my mom said that because she was help tending my home while I went out to work. And she was, she made fun of everybody, all of my clients, all my customers were homeschoolers because my name got passed around the homeschool community. And she would say, well, I don't understand. If the kids and the mom are at home, why aren't they taking care of the home? Because they're not just sitting around, mom. They're not just not doing stuff. You know, there's, besides the actual lessons, you have to plan for the lessons. You have to have time to think about it. And at some point you have to sleep and eat. There's and a maybe, lot. I'm sure there are some moms that can do it all, but I'm not one of those. Three years after I cleaned for you, stopped cleaning for you, um, we had done some moves. We had bought some property and we moved into a county that uh, didn't have the best school ratings, which gave me an opportunity and a platform to present my case to my then husband that homeschooling should be an option now and um and going to a single income family again was a sacrifice so that all had to be worked out and um so I had quit cleaning for everybody and when we moved because we moved a lot further out and then um everything seemed to line up perfectly and my goal it never met, left my mind that I wanted my kids home I enjoyed being around my kids I enjoyed doing all the activities with them and I was hungry for that. Um, so the calling felt a little bit different. Like you said, when you had that thought after the lady at gymnastics planted that seed, it just never left. So sometimes a God calling can just be an irritating thought that just won't leave you alone. And that's how he's going to make you activate and take action on it. Mine was just a hunger, a deep hunger to just, I wanted my kids near me and I wanted to be doing those things. I was hungry to do those things that they were doing with another person, with a teacher, you know, and with their class. And I just wanted to be a part of that so bad. <laughs> wanted it so, you know, it was such a deep hunger that it was painful. Um, so I knew that it was something outside of me that was driving that desire. It was, you know, when the Bible talks about God will give you the desires of your heart. I think the desire to homeschool was placed in me by God. And so that's where that calling came from. I feel like it felt different. Um, and so I ended up bringing home my, he, my oldest completed fifth grade. And then I brought him home and, uh, that left my middle child was in third grade and my youngest would start pre-K at home. So, um, actually kindergarten, technically kindergarten at home. And what I really loved most about bringing them home, um, because I had just enough to compare. They had been gone all day at school for a few years and then they come home and in that cycle, I really only had them during their cranky phase. They were cranky in the morning when I got them up. And when I took them to school, they would have all their good hours at school. And then they'd come home tired and hungry and cranky. And I had that chore time between getting home from school and going to bed. And that really wasn't the most pleasant part of their day. <laughs> right. And um, I really thought that I was in tune with them. And I, you know, I thought that, I, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But then when I did pull them home 
and I started having the 24 seven with them, which is both good and bad. You have that moment of I'm going to die. And then you have that moment of this is the greatest thing. <laughs> and I know moms that homeschool for any season of time will, will feel that every day, every day you're going to go from one extreme to the other in your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts about homeschooling, about being with your kids. It's the best thing, the worst thing, best thing, the worst thing. <laughs> But the the greatest thing I felt like I learned was about them, watching them process, watching them learn, watching them um, see what they're naturally attracted to. That was an intimate thing that I, I don't think that I could have gotten without that time with them at home during homeschooling is getting to know their brains, their minds, the way they function. And I ended up having my middle child um, tested like the brainwave kind of test that you hear all the time on commercials, radio commercials and stuff, um, which was really cool testing, by the way. I highly recommend. I wish everybody had that. It should be like part of the basic thing that we do as a physical exam every year is to get this brainwave test. It was so interesting. Basically, the, the feedback I was able to get was how does my son process information? Because math became a challenge for him. And I couldn't figure out how to teach him. So my purpose for having him tested was to teach me how to teach him. And I use the word teach loosely, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But in basically, how do I present the information that he can absorb it and chew on it and get something from it, obtain some kind of knowledge from it? And, um, and what I accidentally found out was that the stumbled upon method of homeschooling that I chose turned out to be actually the very best for him. That is such a God thing I can't take credit for because a lot of, like you said, if you Google homeschool, you will never get out of that. It is an endless supply of resources and curriculum and information and online courses and free to really expensive. Uh, and I mean, if there is a market for something, there will be a product. And so in the last 10, 15 years, the product available for homeschoolers, uh, I think our homeschool conventions went from like a church basement to a full-on arena because of the amount of products that are available for homeschoolers. I believe it. There's a need. There will be a, mar a marketed product for it. That's how, just how it works. So. Yeah. Did you have somebody that you could ride the coattails of that had some years under them? Yes. So my friend, Julie, and she's someone we might interview coming up in, at some point because I've already talked to her about that. But she she's done a little bit of everything too, some public, private and homeschooling with her three children. They're grown now and married and she's got a couple grandkids. So it's been a while, but she uh, met me. And she was working actually as, I think it was, yeah, ninth, ninth grade, they call them tutors. So in this curriculum we did, but we went with classical conversations. And I really loved that method and that community because it was a community. And what the way it ran is we met once a week and the parents sat in the back of the classrooms while the kids met with, they called them tutors because the parents were the teachers. I'll just share a little bit about this because what was so helpful for me as a new homeschooling parent in fourth grade was sitting next to the other moms in the back and learning from them. 
and they were also helpful. And that was part of why they do the community in that sense, so that you have moms who've been there helping the moms who are new. And that was, I think, what I needed the most to help me learn how to kind of, how to adjust to this new lifestyle we were living because it's a complete change and to learn some of the things that worked for them what didn't work how their kids learned and what might help my kids learn and all the different things that was a really helpful place for me to be now they didn't accredit and they didn't do certain they didn't grade papers for you that kind of thing so you had a lot more work on your end um so that isn't the best fit for every family but for me, at the kids' age that they were, it worked out fine. And I, I'm not the most organized. My kids learned, but I didn't really keep track of a lot of stuff until they were in high school. And my oldest only went one year in high school, and I did join like an accrediting kind of school so that for really for my own accountability, because I was like, all right, she's going to really need everything organized in order to apply for college. And we ended up putting her in public school for 10th through 12th grade. And it was helpful to have that accreditation to just, they gave me a transcript and she got right in and it was all easy. I didn't have to figure out all that mm -hmm. stuff. So you just kind of do what you, what works for you and get help where you need help. But it was helpful learning from other homeschooling moms, how they did it and getting their feedback of this is what I need. I need accountability to keep up with her stuff because that doesn't come natural for me. And then they gave me some options of places where I could go do that. Yeah, that's the thing. If um, if somebody's thinking about homeschooling hasn't started or maybe has started but hasn't found themselves a community or a group of women to ride the coattails of, that is, this will probably be the only time I ever recommend somebody get on Facebook other than our private Facebook group is to find a group. Find a group that's local and just put in just search for homeschool in your town or a surrounding town. If you live out in the, um, in the boonies, just put the closest town and put homeschool and find you a group. And I also, because of your recommendation, found myself in a classical conversations um, community and community as a whole. Now reflecting back on all the years of homeschooling, I would not recommend it. I would tell you that it is essential. It is absolutely essential to have community to do it properly um, for not just for the academics, but for the emotional support that it takes from family to family to stay the course. Because like you said, it's not easy. And if you didn't feel the hunger calling that I had or the calling of the seed planted in your mind, like Sally, like you need support on a daily basis to to do the thing that you need to do because it is hard it is not just hard to wake up and plan and execute the plan it is hard to battle the doubt which comes from lots of different sources so a lot of moms that we both know have dealt with family members in-laws lots of criticism coming from different sources about their decision to homeschool and the opposition that comes I mean, you don't need any outside opposition. You've got enough in your head that's going to fill you every day with you're screwing up your kids, you're screwing up your kids, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough, you're not doing the right curriculum. Oh, look, they're crying again, so we're definitely doing something wrong. You know, 
The doubt that overshadows you every day requires community. It requires other moms to speak life into you, to encourage you through those dark times, and to remind you that you are doing a good thing regardless of how horrible it feels <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and community is the only way to battle that. You cannot battle that alone. I love that. And it is so true. And I will say when I first started, I would compare myself so much to other parents and schools. And, and I did over time, as I spent time in the community, I grew in confidence. I grew in my own belief that I knew what was best for my children. That was such a change for me because I was like, why? And I remember battling it when I started to kind of transition that way, like, why do I think that other people know what's better for my kids? They're not that much more educated than me or whatever, and they're not living with them. They don't know them. And it really, I saw, I kind of remember feeling that transition of, I know what's best for my kids and I can do what's best for them today. And that's not gonna look the same every day. And it doesn't have to look the same every day. They don't have to fit into a box. and some days we might just sit on the couch and read all day. Other days we're going to go out and just be outside all day. And they're getting the knowledge that they need. They're doing, the, they don't need that much time to do work. We rarely spent six hours a day doing homework like they do in school. There's so much time wasted there that we would have time. They did music lessons, gymnastics, soccer, rock climbing ballet, piano, they got to do so many things because we had the time to do it and we didn't have to do it at night all the time. One of the things I appreciated after I grew in confidence as far as like kind of knowing my kids and what they needed was that I could do what they needed. And one night, it was over Christmas break. I don't remember the year, but I know that my youngest, Lily, was halfway through fifth grade, so it was like that break between the first and second semester of fifth grade, I was putting her to bed, and she was like, I need to talk to you, Mom. I'm like, okay. And she says, I want to go back to perimeter school, which is the private school she was going to. I was like, okay, what's going on? She's like, well, I don't think I'm getting a very good education. <laughs> and my, I didn't, I don't, remember if I said this or not. I may have, but my first response was, or reaction was, well, that's because you don't do anything. <laughs> you know, like we're fighting all day long for me to try to just get you to do anything. But I talked to my husband about it and we decided to put her back in school because it really, homeschooling was starting to become a strain on our relationship as mother-daughter. The teacher daughter wasn't working out very well for her. She just wasn't motivated by me as a teacher. And there was a lot of conflict with her and getting her to do anything. And I was at that point getting a little worried that she might be getting behind. And when we tested her to go back into school, they were like, she might be behind. I was like, well, you know what? She's in fifth grade. If we have to do summer school to catch up for middle school, this is a good time to do it. Well, we put her in in January and she thrived. Like that was just a better fit for her. She listened to the teachers. She made A's. I don't even think she got a B. I think she made all A's. Like she just, 
She was motivated. She was working hard. That was just where she was meant to be. My other daughter homeschooled from fourth until through ninth grade. And I honestly don't remember why we decided to put her in in 10th grade. I think she kind of wanted to go and she was really into sports. And she ended up going in 10th grade to the public school by us. And she loved it. She uh, got involved in soccer and track and musicals. She was enjoying all the activities that she got to do. And that was a good fit for her. And, And I think she also needed to know that she could do it. There was a piece of her, I think, that felt was comparing herself to the public school. And she she jumped right in and did great. So I think it's also important to just know that one choice doesn't have to be forever. We can put our kids where they need to be in the season that they're in and then in, in the season we're in, depending on what that looks like. And that's okay. Yeah, I've talked to other moms that have gone through some really crazy seasons where they had to make some radical choices too to bring their kids home because of maybe a moving arrangement or uh, health issues or whatever. They brought their kids home or then vice versa because of some kind of circumstances surrounding their family that they had to put their kids in school. And, uh, and it's seasonal, you know, like that. The one thing I would just say is that that would be very difficult to do that once they hit high school. So eighth grade and under, they're pretty flexible. And no matter how much they quote unquote fall behind, once they hit high school, they learn at such a rapid pace that it they can learn. <laughs> and and so I say that for twofold is I feel like now looking back, um, the pressure that we put on ourselves to get everything so right and to deposit so much data into their brains and to get them to test a certain way or to produce a certain amount of fruit, that pressure is unnecessary. It's just unnecessary. And uh, once they reach the high school where every nothing counts before high school, even if they're in public school or private school, nothing really counts. Transcript starts at ninth grade unless they stay home. So my kids had a lot of high school credit by the time they got to ninth grade because they already had two years of Latin underneath them. They already had um, a a high school math course underneath them. So in, in homeschool, that transcript is a little bit more flexible in how you present the information and when you take credit for it. But in school, if they're going to go into high school, that's where you really kind of lock it down a little bit more. You know, when you hand them over to a private Christian, private, secular or Christian, or public school, you do have to give up your freedoms. That sweet freedom that you were just talking about, being able to do gymnastics during the day and stuff like that is it does go away, but then there's still opportunities there. So she got involved in drama and soccer. And I mean, there's still on both ends of the spectrum, a lot of goodness that is to be offered and taken advantage of. Um, I wanted to go back just one second to the community part of it too, because I think that's important as much for the students. So where you had a student that was really desiring to go back to an atmosphere that was different than what you were presenting to her. That was amazing that she had the framework and the wherewithal to be able to assess that and verbalize that to you. A lot of times students are not going to have that ability. And if uh, I want to refer back to the episode we did communicating with dignity, where I shared that story about 
one of my sons in our community, our homeschool community, um, and realizing that um, in that moment, he still had the same kind of peer pressure that he would have gotten in public school with just having a larger class that he was involved in, even if it was just one day a week. Um, but that community actually rallied around him and, uh, and helped him in that smaller uh, environment of only having what 14 or 15 kids in that class and that was that was his whole class and he was the top of that there was smaller younger classes underneath him that he was around but in that community that fed him the way he needed to be fed and he's he made relationships there that he still has today post-graduation he graduated in 2020 during the crazy covid which we'll come back to too because that's affected every area of education. So I know a lot of parents had to make shifts and hard decisions about education. And a lot of them started questioning the quality of education because of what they were able to observe and the changes that were made since 2020, since COVID and everything. Um, but just talking about community as a whole is that um, she found her community in a public school and that worked because she got involved. But she was involved, and that's right. the key. She got involved. She wasn't just going there and coming home. She got involved. She made relationships. She did a lot of activities, took advantage of all the good goodness that they had there. And I think that's the key to community, whether you choose homeschool, private school, or public school, is to get involved, get connected. It's the connections that yeah. make the community. I agree. And that's so important. And it's important for the kids. It's important for us as moms. And one of the things I just want to mention too, before we move on is that I learned so much by homeschooling my children. I went into it thinking I'm going to help them learn and teach them. I was taught and I learned. And one of the things that classical conversations does is it talks about redeeming two generations at the same time, because so many of us didn't learn in school. I learned how to write and learned how to use grammar properly by teaching my kids how Amen. to do it. I really never learned that in high school or college. I hated English and I hated writing because I wasn't good at it and I never learned how to do it properly. And by teaching them, and going to class with them, I learned it myself. I learned more about history, which was usually taught by a football coach in our high school and was kind of boring. And now I really learned, I loved it. And so there were things that I missed out on growing up that I was able to learn. And I learned how to be a better mom, how to be a stronger mom, how to be an advocate for my children how not to just trust everybody else with them, but to trust myself with them. I grew into more of a leader and it, I think it's helped me to where I am today by just giving me confidence and each challenging me. It was super challenging. It was not easy. And we had a lot of days of tears where all, all of us were in tears, probably not my husband, but the three girls. And, but we kept going and it's, like you said, it was one of the hardest things I've done, but I'm so grateful I did it because I learned so much. And it was, there's something really empowering about doing a hard thing and following through and being able, seeing that you're able to actually do it 
And that's one of the things I learned through homeschooling my kids. And really, I say, I think I got as much or more out of it than they did. I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. And I think that um, when you get to know your kids on that kind of intimate level and you grow in your confidence to to make hard decisions and uh, and to listen to them and to t- and to honor their opinions, that's important. And one of the things I realized that when I brought Garrett, I'm sorry, Grant home, my oldest, when he came home, he had completed fifth grade. So he was in school from first grade to fifth grade wholly. And uh, within those five years, the way that he was taught not to downplay one method to another, but the way that he was taught um, made it very difficult for that transition coming home. And because I went straight for the classical model as well, which is very different from the model that public schools use. So in public schools, they have it's very teacher oriented. It's very um, data driven and um, regurgitating that same data. And the classical model is very different. The classical model is presenting an idea, letting the student mull over it and then form an opinion, right or wrong. Um, and then talk about it, flesh it out. It's very Greek. It's very philosophical, conversational, Socratic style. And when I did this model with Grant, he resented every moment that I tried to get him to form an opinion and articulate it because that was not what he was used to. And it was wrong. (laughs) He just wanted to fill in the blank or he wanted to be able to do a multiple choice response, those were easy for him. But to wrestle with a concept, form an opinion, and then express his opinion made him very uncomfortable. And so that whole first year home transitioning was so hard. There was so many tears. I'm not sure if it was more tears from him or from me, but I spent many a days questioning my decision to bring him home. But there was something outside of me that just kept every morning was a new day. Every morning was a new day. Every morning was a new day. And even though I'd want to give up every night, every morning was a new day. And there was just that sweetness of having the calling on me, thank God, because that was something outside of me that kept pushing, pushing, pushing. But then the decision when you shift, like when you realize and listened to your daughter and said, okay, let's put her in. And it was January, mid-year. I mean, that probably played a role like, oh, should we wait until the end of the year? I mean, did you wrestle with that at all? We did. We, a little bit because she was in fifth grade, but we really thought, well, this is a good chance to see where she is and if she is behind, because I was a little worried that maybe she was. She was not as much of a self motivator my other daughter just she's driven she's got more of that achiever bit and perfectionism side of my husband where I'm going to do the work and get it done well and I want to be the best in the class or else and probably there's some negative stuff like I'm not good enough if I'm not you know if you're not first you're last kind of mentality so she was just very personally driven to do well my other daughter was just a lot more laid back like myself where, you know, if I can do it tomorrow, why do it today? <laughs> you know? 
And so <laughs> things would get pushed off and pushed off. And so I was getting a little bit concerned that she just wasn't getting things done. And me trying to get her to get things done was, like I said, putting a strain on our relationship. So we just thought, you know what, let's put her in. And if she fails fifth grade, then we'll work on it over the summer and see if we can get her caught up by middle school. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up actually doing really well. But when I put her in, I was like, well, we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah. And and I was like, well, this will be a lesson to her. If she doesn't do well, then she'll see that she had to work harder. But even with the little bit that she did in those three and a half years, she retained a lot. She's a smart kid. She just didn't look like she was doing as much. Right. But there was information getting in there because she really wasn't behind like I thought she might be. Yeah, I didn't. So you never yeah, know. Yeah, you never, I didn't know what to expect when we put Levi, my youngest, in ninth grade this year. I didn't because mm-hmm. I had freed myself up from trying to recreate public school at home pretty early on. And that was because I was plugged in and rooted into a, a, a community that was able to help me with that learning curve. The shrinking the learning curve happens that's one of the gifts of being part of a strong community, going and listening to speakers, um, listening to podcasts, and, and just filling yourself full of whatever bend you have on homeschooling. Like, I would encourage that because shrinking the learning curve wasn't shrinking the learning curve of deciding what curriculum because there's never going to be an end to the opportunities and, and there's so much good out there. Like, just pick one. <laughs> just pick one. You right. know, but the learning curve for me was free myself up in my mind and to have a mind shift about how I was approaching homeschooling because I was setting the tone for the day and whatever I was thinking and feeling about it was coming to the table. I couldn't hide it, you know, and if I was not confident or if I wasn't prepared or if I was questioning, you know, that was brought. And I remember one of the speakers that I saw, I'll give him full credit and we'll even put it in the show notes. If I find the recording is, um, it, it was a, he speaks at large conventions, but this was kind of an intimate little setting. It was Andrew Kern, who is the, his uh, curriculum that he does is Lost Tools of Writing. It's a, it's a high school curriculum, writing curriculum, maybe some middle school. But um, I was listening to his podcast and I started following him. My kids were doing his curriculum. It's used in classical conversations. Um, and he did a speaking engagement at a pretty intimate environment. It was like a basement of a Baptist church in North Carolina, Nowheresville. And there was like 30 people there. And he did this speech about broken cisterns, pulled that from, I think that's in Isaiah. I think I might be wrong about that. But I think it's in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And he's talking about the broken cisterns where we are trying to measure up to a standard, somebody else's standard, um, and, and this was all framed within the homeschool communities, what, what homeschool moms, this was a homeschool speech presentation. So with his audience being homeschool moms, he knew what our pain points were. He knew what our doubts and fears were. And he spoke straight to the heart of a mom who is constantly questioning by comparison to all these other things, private schools and public schools, which for you and I, and my husband at the time, we were all public school. That's all we knew. And the tendency is to recreate public school at home. And this was the speech that freed me up from this. And he spoke 
from the heart about broken cisterns and trying to measure up to some arbitrary standard of what education looks like and um, and trying to to do things that obviously didn't work or we would be there. You know, why weren't we there? <laughs> why aren't we doing that standard? And I, I can't recreate the the speech right here and give you the same aha moment. But if I find the recording, I'll try to link it. But basically, if you just read the scripture about broken cisterns, it really talks about freeing yourself up and letting letting those standards, those arbitrary standards go. And for me, that really meant, let's just look at the student. Let's look at my child. What does my child want to learn? Not not that's not the only decision maker of what we present in the feast that we present every day, but it does play a role. What does my kid want to learn? What is he naturally attracted to? What are his strengths and weaknesses? Uh, you know, those are all things that should be taken into account when you're making these decisions. Every eye in that audience was teared up. He went straight for the heart of the fear and pain points of every homeschool mama. And it was all females. And I know that a lot of dads are pretty strongly involved, but this was all females that, uh, that came that day. And there was an, a dry eye in the audience. And when he took a break, uh, all these mamas rushed for the bathroom to fix their mascara. And it was just, it was quiet in there. And there was just this, I don't even want to call it tension. It was more like a, um, like a revelation had come upon us that was so sweet, but also painful, like, uh, like a pruning, you know, when the father prunes you in that season and he cuts off something that just isn't working, it was very sweet. And there was such a freeing that happened. Uh, and what a great homeschool speech that, I mean, not just a speech, but where he ended up coming off of the podium and we all circled and did this Q and a session with him. And it was so intimate and so powerful to transform a mama's mindset about how she approaches school schooling her kids or lessons I don't even like to call it school it's just let's do life and learn about the world and God's creation and you <laughs> it was just so beautiful so freeing I wish uh, I wish everybody could have that little pill right from the beginning before they take their first step in homeschooling that's the pill they need to swallow right there <laughs> it's so hard to get to that place because we're so trained up in I guess the world's standards and like you said, standards that we don't even want or we would have our kids there. Right. Right. I can say I really have loved homeschooling. That's one of my favorite times with my girls as well. Just because of the time we got to spend doing not the school as much, but the field trips and learning about things. I loved watching them learn and one of the biggest things they learned in classical conversation was how to learn. Well, I do want to talk about how the pandemic affected a lot of family members. I know that during 2020, it, because it happened in March and a lot of kids ended up having to come home for the last couple of months of schooling and do online schooling and everybody was scrambling. God bless those teachers. Um, and for us, nothing changed. My kids didn't even know we had a shutdown until we were a good three months into it. So, um, I mean, they were completely ignorant. To it. 
<laughs> until we drove up to a park and it was locked and it had a sign on it about COVID. And that's when they were like, what is happening? <laughs> that was a revelation of the world has changed. And um, a lot of moms and dads, because I'm, I'm sure you did too, you probably had some people reach out to you and go, okay, look, out of desperation, we got to figure out this homeschool thing because 2021 was a little bit shaky, putting the kids back in school. A lot of parents were really struggling with the masks and the half online and all the, all the stuff. It was just, it was really hard for everybody. It was hard for the teachers. It was hard for the homeschoolers. The pot, I mean, because even homeschoolers were feeling it because our host churches were unable to be what they wanted to be for us because of all the, you know, stuff that they had to do um, to keep everybody happy with the germs and stuff. So uh, everybody was affected by 2021. And I had so many people reach out that were bringing the kiddos home um, when enrollment started for fall of 2020 for the 2020-2021 school year out of desperation bringing the kids home, which was very sad because when the decision to homeschool is out of desperation and it's the last final, like last possible thing that they could think about doing that would be right, I can't imagine entering into such a challenge as homeschooling your kids as doing it out of desperation. Like not having the wind of desire behind you or the calling, my heart was broken for those families because I saw families struggling. You had mamas and daddies that had no desire to do this and no hunger, no innate organic desire to do it. And, but they were trying, they were trying their hardest. And then of course, you know, just you and I both had that one, first year home was tough. It was tough emotionally. It was tough mentally. And these parents were dealing with that plus. Your story is a little bit of the opposite. So I'd love to hear you share a little bit more about how that, how you decided to put your son back into public school because of the pandemic rather than the other way around. Right. So I think everybody was affected from the pandemic and the isolation. And I've heard a lot of people talking, especially on social media and in coaching circles and on YouTube about how differently everybody was affected, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I'm an extrovert, and so I was so hungry to get back into a normal flow of being around people physically and not just on our phones or FaceTime or Zoom, but physically in the same energy field as other human beings. But with my extreme introvert, um, my, my son is a, my youngest son is an extreme introvert. And so even, even when he wants to be around people, he prefers one, maybe two people at a time. And then the way the pandemic affected us when things really did shut down and our homeschool communities went home and weren't in the churches anymore, the churches shut down for a little while, like all the social stuff came to a screeching halt. Um, he found a major comfort zone in that. And he got so comfortable that it was leading him down to, in, in making choices where when things started getting back to normal, he would start rejecting opportunities to be around even his friends his peers that he was comfortable around because it it was so comfortable for him so where I was so hungry to get back out there he fell into a whole bunch of really bad habits of just choosing comfort 
And I, I just saw a lot of uh, behaviors and choices that he was making because of that personality type. And isolation became such a desire for him that his resistance and his uh, tolerance for being around other people and for going out and engaging in activities, especially activities that were new, he was really resisting that wholeheartedly. Um, so of all the hard decisions that we have to make for the better of our children, I found myself in a predicament, I, predicament that I never thought I would find myself in, thinking that putting my child in a public school setting would be the fix. And that's not to say that public school doesn't have something to offer, but, and I've always thought it has something to offer. I mean, your daughter jumped in full bore and she thrived. And, but I never saw it as a fix for what I couldn't provide at home. And what I can't provide at home is a force. You can't force anyone to do anything. And I mean, I can't even force him to go to school, to be honest. Like if he just did not want to go to school, I don't even know what that would look like. But thankfully he agreed. And going to school, my, my whole thought on this is he needs to be around peers that are going to give him friction. And we all need that. We all need friction. We all need to share ideas with each other. And I don't know how many times this has come up in prior episodes where we cannot be left alone to our own thoughts all the time. There's no growth there. That quote that Sean had said that we used in a prior episode is, a person in isolation is free to believe anything they think. And that is a dangerous place to stay for too long. I mean, we, when we're not challenged with other people's ideas, getting to truth is really hard. That's a really hard thing to do. And so I just saw him beginning to diminish in isolation and, and being okay with that. He was okay with doing that and not seeking out new inspiration and not seeking out interests and turning down opportunities to be with peers was no longer an option. And when we began to talk about options for private school or getting back involved with a homeschool community that met a couple times a week or going to public school, he actually did get excited at the idea of being around peers again. I mean, he was feeling boredom at the same time as wrestling with the idea of not wanting to be uncomfortable, which meant being around people, you know. And so he did get excited about the idea, the prospect, the possibilities. And so he was part of all of the decision making. And he was anticipating with positive, a positive mindset starting school. And it's been a tough transition, and we'll probably have to do yet another follow-up at some point because we're a little over a month in, and he's still going strong. There's been a lot of friction, uh, and that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, he's coming out of his shell. He is going out, and he's attending all the football games. He's going out with his friends on the weekends, and he's making friends. So there is all of that, even though... He has actually said, I have gained perspective and I would prefer to come home. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep going with this and see what happens. And I will say, too, because we talked about this, but I didn't share this 
Anna did thrive once she got back into high school from homeschooling, but it was a hard transition. It wasn't, the hard part was getting up every day, going to school every day, having things due the next day, and getting into the routine of everyday school when she had class once a week for six years, and then she had a week to finish all the work at her own pace. She always Mm -hmm. got it done, but she had a week always to get things done. And, you know, in regular, in public high school, you don't, sometimes something's due the next day (laughs) or, and you have maybe six things due the next day. So that part was hard and she didn't know what to expect from the different teachers. And so once she finally got past some of the getting used to the daily routine and what the teachers expected from her, then she settled in, but it did take a while. There's been a couple of comical things that he's come up against that we couldn't have anticipated. Like he was not used to doing everything on the computer. Like he used the computer to write his papers and he took an online math course, but that was really it. But you know, everything, like you said, is, is done through a computer interface. That's how they know what their assignments are, what their projects are coming up. And there was at one point during the first or second week that the kids all knew how to go about doing something and he was looking around lost and he got frustrated and he threw his hands up and he said, okay, guys, I don't know what's going on here. I'm not stupid. I just have never done it like this before. Can somebody please help me? (laughs) Well, good for him for even (laughs) saying that. (laughs) I I am not dumb, but you have to teach me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I mean, it kind of made me laugh the way he was you know, and whatever the real situation was at the moment, I wonder how many people looked at him and heard him say that, or if he was, you know, really being as flamboyant as he kind of reiterated. But he's had a couple of those moments where he just is is surprised by what everybody else is thinks is common and normal. And he's a deer in the headlights looking around like, help. This is normal for you, but I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> if I were to interview him right now and and ask him to compare the two, I think now is a good time to get him to talk about the positives of homeschool because he's hyper aware of the positives of homeschooling <laughs> and he's hyper aware of all those things. Having to get up early has not been pleasant for him. Happen, having six different teachers that's six different personalities to to work with and that's been tough for him just like you said yeah deadlines you know usually if life happens then okay mom i need another day was very feasible oh okay teachers don't want to hear that no it's due when it's due we both are connected i know with a lot of you who homeschool and we were thinking it would be fun to have some of our listeners who homeschool share their journeys or how they got into it or some fun stories or encouraging words or even how hard it's been at times. But we were thinking if you want to share on our private Facebook group or even contact us and maybe we can do an episode of several different people sharing pieces of their story and their homeschooling journey, we would love to hear from you and put that together as an upcoming episode. And even even other 
choices that you've made. So private school and public school, those are all decisions that we're all having to make and they change seasonally, like you and I have just shared. And so I think others, if you have a story that you want to share about transitioning from one to the other, or just how you made the decision to do what you did choose to do, whether it was homeschool, public school, or private school, that those are all stories that are worthy of sharing. And it's definitely something that all of us have had to cross that bridge at some point. Um, and so that would be really interesting to keep the conversation going on our fi private Facebook group. And we can start the thread there and just keep it going. And I'd love to have some sound bites. That would be really fun to have some sound bites or short little interviews. The information about our private Facebook group and how to get in contact with us will be in the show notes. Until next time, stay wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild. <laughs>